already. Amen. 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 All right. All right. Three, All right, Pastor Matt. Two, one. Okay, Pastor Matt, what advice do you have for how to teach your kids about drugs today? Whoa. Drugs seem more accessible than ever, even through social media, and the chances of them getting addicted and ruining their lives or even overdosing seems so high. How do we teach our kids wisdom on this issue? Yeah, thank you for such a great question. And uh, I do agree. I think that not only are drugs more accessible, but there's more permission in our society to mm -hmm. use them. They're just kind of, you know, accepted. You know, my favorite podcast is the Joe Rogan podcast, and he just talks openly, freely about doing drugs. He does drugs on the podcast. And it makes me so sad because no one believes that drugs are good for your brain. And right. so, you know, there are some people, I do have a friend that uh, smokes marijuana and he's done so really just because he's, no current drugs from the hospital have helped him with his pain. Hmm. And it's something that we've talked about, prayed about, and it's something that he has to utilize, but he understands, right? With every drug, there's a cost, there's a side effect to everything, whether, you know, it's organic or not. We always throw organic, like, you know, it's fine, man. Look, I, I think arsenic is organic. <laughs> you don't want to take it. I mean, poisons and toxins and yeah. many things that are unhealthy for us grow natural. Poison oak is organic. You don't rub your body in right. it. So we got to be careful that we don't do that. And so the first thing I would say is talk to your kids about how they're feeling and talk to your kids about social and peer pressure and understand and just be honest. Most of us as Christians use two drugs every day, caffeine and sugar. So, so this year, uh, for January, I didn't tell you this. I decided to go sugar free. Mm. Let I'm me sugar free let me right tell you something. Too. If you don't think you're a drug addict, cut sugar out of your life. <laughs> I was having dreams and thoughts every day, all day. Dance, and I'm not a big dancing cookies. Yeah, I'm not oh, hostess <laughs> host. I'm not a big I'm not a big sugar guy. Most people would say, well, you you really don't eat it, but it's in our it's in our food. It's yeah. in everything that we do. And so when you eliminate that for three days, all I thought about was sugar wanting it, thinking about it, dreaming about it, trying to make excuses for how I could get it. Yeah. And so it was extraordinarily difficult. Uh, my son's birthday was January 4th. My, my wife made a beautiful cake. My daughter's birthday was January 6th. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe January isn't the month to, <laughs> to give up sugar. sugar. <laughs> but, but all kinds of things have holds on us. And so I think the most important thing is to be honest with your kids mm -hmm. about the fact that life is addictive or things in life are addictive because life is hard. And so we're all trying to cover things and mask things because we're not honest and open about them mm -hmm. with God. And so just be honest about that. And teenage years are extraordinarily difficult. I would never want to do that again. It's so hard. And you don't have oftentimes the strength to stand on your own and mm -hmm. say, no, I don't want that. Um, I do have some good news for parents. Young people, for whatever reason, are saying no, no to alcohol in ways that we've never seen as a culture. This is a big problem for Budweiser, for... Mm -hmm. Uh, many of these hard liquor companies, their sales are dropping. So that's good news because kids, for whatever reason, are not turning to it like mm -hmm. in our generation. Mm -hmm. You know, in our generation, we smuggled it, we we stole it, <laughs> we, you know, bribed somebody to buy right. it for us. And kids nowadays are not doing that. And that's great news. I think the sad news is maybe they're turning to marijuana yeah. and some mushrooms and some other things. And so here's the thing, be honest with your kids about drugs. Every drug has a side effect. Just have them watch the commercials on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, side effect is rash, diarrhea, 
you know, crazy you, thoughts. You might you know, die. Yeah, you know, oily discharge, right? I mean, it's it's all right there. And I'm like, I, do you when you watch those? I'm like, I don't want to take that. I think I'll just go with the shingles. Right. You know? um, so all of these drugs do one thing. And so here's the thing with drugs and alcohol: um, there's an initial help, mm-hmm. and then your brain and your body tries to counteract. So think of your body like a, a swimming pool where you're putting chemicals into it and then your body is trying to level those chemicals. So if I put something in my body that raises dopamine level, mm-hmm. my body's gonna go, oh, uh, we have to lower it. Mm-hmm. So then the next day you're more depressed, mm-hmm. you're more anxious. And I found this with Xanax. So I really battled with anxiety and so the doctor prescribed Xanax. I started getting worse panic attacks, more anxiety. So I had an initial benefit, take the Xanax. Oh, I feel really relaxed. I could sleep. I was calm. And then the next day I was worse. Mm -hmm. And I went, okay, this is a problem. So what do most people do? They up the dosage. They take more. And then before you know it, you're Jordan Peterson, somebody I love. You're strapped to a bed in a Russian prison because your family is worried you're going to hurt yourself. And he, he was strapped to a bed for three months. And so the thing with all drugs is just be honest with your kids. They're really fun. Mm-hmm. There's a reason people like to drink. There's a people, you know, there's a reason people like to do drugs. They're really, really fun. The problem is they're fun for a moment and then they're a burden for you and then for everyone who loves you. Yeah, absolutely. So people who drink, you know, they're a lot of fun to be around momentarily and then they can't go to work. They can't get their things done. They can't do life. And, you know, there's so many people in our church whose dads or moms were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have a dad. You don't have a mom. You have a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. It's, it's why I'm so concerned about all these young people doing uh, sex transitions. You now are a pincushion for the pharmaceutical companies for the rest of your life. And I was just talking with a good friend of mine, uh, someone that I love very much, who's transitioned. And they, they're they a mess. Yeah, They're worse. Mm-hmm. And they're just hoping that some new drug and, and, and all, right all of a sudden now you're trying to you're trying to regulate not just feelings but hormones mm-hmm. and it's crazy mm-hmm. and I don't have the relationship this person's not a Christian where I can just say look man you need God I just have to love and listen mm-hmm. and try to be there for him but it's so sad because they just believe that the pharmaceutical companies are the answer we've replaced God with science and yeah. science is terrible and the information is always changing so I would just say be honest with your kids mm-hmm. and just say. It's going to be fun at first. But again, go back a couple of weeks. That's why you watch Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. There's a price to pay. And the price is you become a slave. You become yeah. an ass. And again, sit down with them. That's when Disney used to be honest and Disney yeah. used to be real. And just say, it's going to be fun for a moment. But drugs and alcohol, you know, lower your inhibitions, lower your ability to think, and lower your ability to make decisions. So you're more likely to become pregnant when you're drunk. Yeah. You're more likely to drive when you're mm-hmm. drunk. You're more likely to make a mistake when you're drunk. You're more likely to do things when you're inebriated mm-hmm. that you wouldn't normally do. And that's what I think people think, well, I would never do that. Yeah. When you're in your right mind. Right. But when you're drunk, when you're intoxicated or you're just slightly buzzed, mm-hmm. you're more prone to make a mistake and do something that has lifelong consequences. And and again, I think the thing to communicate to young people is you're just really trying to help them not destroy their lives before it gets started. Yeah. And I think we're not honest at all. And that's the biggest problem with colleges. We're telling young people to, you know, embrace all their inhibitions, you know, just kind of throw out the the conservative Christian, Judeo, Muslim, you know, box, Jewish box, right? And mm-hmm. just just do Follow whatever. your feelings. Yeah. And and the problem is, man, now there's just lifelong consequences yeah. because you were foolish. Yeah. And drugs, alcohol, 
It doesn't make anyone smarter. It might make you relaxed for a second, but you're going to be more anxious tomorrow. And and we know this, and especially like with marijuana, so many kids today are, are, are told that it's not bad. Look, the, the statistics are out. Marijuana has an initial benefit, and then it has an extreme cost. So initially, it relaxes you. Right. Then it will make you anxious. It won't. Initially, it lets you sleep. Guess yeah. what? Then you can't sleep. Right. And so there's all of these problems on the other end that nobody talks about, and it's suppressed in the media, and it's all fun, and then you're paranoid. Yeah. Then you're you're ridiculous. And here's the thing. If you have any family history of mental illness, just be honest with your kids. You don't want to tamper with your brain Absolutely. because we have this that runs in our family. And just be honest about it, you know, about your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your <laughs> sister. We all have people in our family that really, really struggle. Yeah. And drugs seem to open the door if there's any chance of mental illness. It seems to, the research shows, make it more likely. Yeah. And for a developmental, bro- yeah. oh, a yeah. kid's brain that's yeah. developing at that time, adding something to the mix, right? A drug or a dependency. I mean, that sets them up, again, for failure really all the way up through their young adult years I always tell kids like hey the reason why we try certain things is because we don't see the consequences right away right Mm -hmm. if we smoked and our lung fell out the moment we took a puff we wouldn't be doing that but for so many young people they can't see these long-term consequences they only see what's right in front of them so I love be be very open and honest with your kids about this and say hey you may be confronted with this and it's okay to be anxious yeah it's okay to be afraid we don't need to mask those feelings. Right. We need to deal with those feelings. And even some of the people in our church who I've seen as adults get addicted. You know what? It's okay to not sleep through the night. Don't turn to pills because then all of a sudden, man, that yeah. that runs down a road where all of a sudden now you're addicted mm-hmm. and, and you just have to be careful. And so, you know, I have sleepless nights and you, those tend to happen as you age. And I just have to tell myself, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. And then I know that I'll be more tired tomorrow night and I'll be able to sleep and turn to some healthy things. You know, read a book, read your Bible, sit and meditate, go for a walk, do some things, you know, don't sit at the TV. Don't, you know, feed your body full of a bunch of sugars and things that are going to make you not be able to rest. But just understand it's okay for life to not be okay. Turn to God, turn to friends, turn to some good things Mm -hmm. because, you know, again, my, my Aunt Opal used to say this, you know, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we believe that the worst will last forever. And and it just doesn't. Um, you know, uh, the Lord's mercies are new every day. Amen. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm writing a book right now. Uh, my next book, it'll come out in February of 2024, and it's called Every Day a Miracle. And um, I was writing on the book of Lamentations. So do you know what a lament means in English? Like a cry. Right, a cry. There's like a game you can play. Like, mm-hmm. is it Taylor Swift or is it Lamentations? Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And you like put it on the so, screen. <laughs> so the, the name of Lamentations, the name of Lamentations in Hebrew is not Lamentations. Oh, really? It's how. Oh, wow. That's cool. Right? How am I going to get through this? Mm. Isn't that incredible? And so we all have to, we all have to deal with how. And yeah. so one of the things I talk in my book in this chapter, when God says no, is instead of asking why, ask how. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just God's. That's, That's God's good. mercy for us is not why did this happen, but how am I going to get through mm-hmm. this? And here's the thing is drugs and alcohol are going to help you get to the next 30 minutes to an hour. They're not going to help you yeah. get through life. Yeah. And so you just got to know that. And there's nobody that I know who did drugs and their life is better. There's not one person that's more moral, nope. more clear, more stable. And, and again, especially if you're a young man, what you need to provide for your family is stability. 
and, and, and just being present and being safe. And I, I learned that very, very quickly from my wife is that I need to be this, the stability in our family. That that's my role as the man is mm-hmm. to be stable and drugs and alcohol do not allow me to do yeah. that. So that's a great question. So and thank good. you so much. Thank I'll be praying so for much. all of our parents. Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Hey, Pastor Matt, how you doing? Good. It's good to be back. So good. So good. So we have been in an incredible series in the book of Exodus called Old Rules for a New Life. And the past couple of weeks have been so good. The second and the third commandments. And so I, um, I have absolutely loved the, the, the second commandment about you should have no idols mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people don't really know. They think, well, I don't have, right. you know, I went to Singapore and there was this huge, you know, altar in somebody's house and it had fruit and it had gods mm-hmm. and it had all the things. And you could look at that and say, well, that's an idol, but people don't really realize that there can be idols all around them. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't yeah. have to be fruit and statues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for most of us, it's our TV, it's yeah, our screens. Absolutely. And so what we do is we sit and we worship at the screen of whatever appeases us mm-hmm. today. You know, I was watching the Grammys this this week with Sam Smith and, you know, uh, did you guys see Babylon B's post? No. Yeah. The, the devil tweeted, he has nothing to do with Sam Smith. It was hilarious, <laughs> man, that the devil was embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. So um, with those platforms, yeah. red, whatever yeah. he had on. And so, you know, <laughs> Man, I I told my wife I said I actually think it's the most honest the Grammys have ever been. You know, wow. this is this is this is what we are worshiping, mm-hmm. and and this is where you're Did going. Did you see CBS's tweet about that? No, no. So so Sam Smith tweeted something, and the Grammy or CBS said we're ready to worship in response to Sam Smith. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, it was pretty pretty yeah. creepy. So I think you're right. They were the most honest that they've yeah. ever been. And and I think people need to understand that. And so and again back to our first question is. Everyone worships something. And in our culture, we are bound and determined not to worship God. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we will worship sex. We will worship drugs. We will worship ourselves. We will worship everything but the one true God. That's what's so sad about the book of Revelation is no matter how much of God's wrath is poured out on the people, it says they harden their hearts and they Mm -hmm. refuse to repent and turn Mm -hmm. to God. And that's just gross. And that's human nature. And that's why we all need to be so thankful, not judgmental of the world, but grateful that for whatever reason, God's God's grace touched our hearts and mm-hmm. we responded. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so, um, yeah, so we had idols and this week, Fredo, right. and I have to just apologize to Fredo because I told him he was preaching on the Sabbath. <laughs> and then I, I called him, I was like, um, actually, not it. it's not that. It was a great so, message. My daughter was like, I like that Fredo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Fredo did an amazing job. And, and you know, again, his mom, you know, almost died the week Gosh. of that message. And you know, that's just such a burden for him. And and I was I was super proud of Fredo because, you know, he's a young man who has to stand in a large platform. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part, I didn't watch the live version. I watched the recorded version mm-hmm. that you guys watched. Mm-hmm. I love that he reflected on the fact that he realizes that he's, he's walking into a big burden mm-hmm. and he needs grace. Mm-hmm. And he hears those who have criticized him because, you know, he's been criticized for some things he doesn't deserve and some things as a young man that he needs to grow in. And I mean, I, I went through the same things. Mm-hmm. Sandals are just much smaller and mm-hmm. nobody cared. <laughs> so, um, you know, all young, 
All yeah. young Christian leaders have passion. They don't always have wisdom. And so we have to love them and support them through that. And I just was really, really thankful that he just was honest and transparent mm-hmm. and open. And it was a powerful, powerful message on the fact that, you know, we're all hypocrites at some level yeah. and we need to, you know, really work through that. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's why, again, so many of us kind of dismiss the commandments and say, oh, I don't need these things. And I say, okay, well, which one? Which one of the 10 don't you need? And so this weekend, you know, we're talking about spiritual rhythms creates physical rest. And so part of the reason our culture is so tired, we're so worked, we're so anxious, we're so overburdened is we don't Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, to preaching that message um, because so many people think, oh, it's, you know, these rules are just about rules. And, and what Jesus says is, no, 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 the Sabbath was, man was not made for Sabbath, right. but the Sabbath was made, made for, for man. Yeah. And this is, God gave this we to you because this, you yeah. need this. And, um, you know, so many people don't think they have time for God on the weekend. And God is saying, this is, this is what you need in the mm-hmm. midst of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the beauty of the Sabbath is we get time away from our lives. We get time away from our worries. We get, we get time away from our kids. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I was atheist. I'd go to church just so I could put my kids <laughs> in a free daycare where I know they were loved and cared for right. and they got crackers uh, because everyone needs that moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so many parents say, well, we need quality time with my kids. Sometimes you need a break. Mm-hmm. And and that's why that hour of church is so important just to sit and reflect. So I'm looking forward to this. I love this series. Great. I'm grateful for just the response. I've gotten so much just positive feedback mm-hmm. from it. And I'm grateful this is my first time ever teaching through the book of Exodus. Yeah. And so it's been a, a first for me. It's been good. What I keep hearing you say through this the series too, or maybe just keeps ringing in my heart is when you hear these words, do not harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't. Mm. I think that is so powerful and, and such an important uh, aspect of this series is because I feel like people's hearts are just hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we came out of 2020 and it, Hot Mess Express, right? Yeah, <laughs> and people are just tired and they're tired of dogma and rules and all the things. And so, but this is, these are the rules you need, mm-hmm. like you said. So don't harden your heart. Keep listening, keep leaning in when God is putting his finger on something in your life, respond. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. This has been so good. So we've got some great questions today. Thank you everyone for um, sending in questions. Keep doing that. We love it. And these are really great. We love getting to hear what Pastor Matt is going to share about this because we all grow and we all learn. So thank you for your questions. Oh my gosh. You just pointed at the camera. I completely forgot. I'm not supposed to do that. No, it's fine. I completely forgot that we were recording. So I don't know if like I've been picking my nose or... (laughs) It's just it's just me and Donna in our basement talking into <laughs> the microphone. We are just hanging out. Oh my like, gosh. no, you've been great. You didn't pick your nose. Thank you. I don't think you did. Okay, right. we're yeah. I rolling. think I did. I think I did. <laughs> Sorry, I I don't know if I'm supposed to point at the camera. No, it's fine. No, Sandal's vision is to be real. I just I love you com- guys. I completely forgot. All right, awesome. I'm okay. so comfortable. <laughs> this is Carly from Riverside. Hey, Carly. It says. Is the warning from God that he, oh, this is so good, that he will lay the sins of the parents on their children to the second and the third generation, specifically about the worship of idols or sin in general? Does God punish our children for other sins that we have committed? I am fearful for my daughter mm. who has experienced a terrible loss in her life. I'm worried that she might believe that God is punishing her because of my actions. Thank you, Pastor Matt, for your help in understanding this scripture. Yeah, so thank you so much. I actually just wrote this in um, 
the chapter that I wrote in my book yesterday is that God is not the sin. God, excuse me, God is not the cause of your pain. Mm-hmm. Sin is. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so two things. So the Ten Commandments is a covenant. God says, I will be your God who delivers you from bondage. You will be my people who do these things. And so here's what everyone needs to understand about God. God is relational. And so as a relational God, the word that we use for that is he is Trinitarian. So he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has never been alone Mm -hmm. in all of time. Before time existed, God has never been alone. He has always been with himself. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds crazy, um, but we believe in one God who exists uh, in three persons. And so that's why God can say, I am love, Mm -hmm. because you cannot love and be alone. Mm -hmm. You, You have to be with something else, someone else, in order to experience love. Love is a dynamic quality that is experienced between two persons. Mm-hmm. And so God uniquely as one God experiences that between himself. So number one, this is a covenant. Mm-hmm. And so this covenant um, has blessings and it has consequences. The word we use is curses. So Tammy and I, we entered into a covenant when we got married, just like I'm sure you and Devon did. Mm-hmm. Got his name, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, just like you and Devon did. And you said, I will. And he yeah. said, he will. And you, I don't know exactly what the things that uh, you said uh, to Devon. I don't know exactly what the things, but it was an agreement, a covenantal agreement. And so, so just understand this, that this is a unique blessing and consequence for the people of God because they have voluntarily entered into this covenant with him. So this is not for all people in all time. So there are blessings to following mm-hmm. God. And there are, I think the, the, the easier word theologically is there are consequences. Yeah. So you can choose your choices in life, but you cannot choose your consequences. So the consequence of following God is blessing. The consequence of disobeying God yeah. is curse. Mm-hmm. And so we just need to understand that. And so here's here's what I want you to understand, Carly. The consequences for disobeying God affect you and mm-hmm. your children and your children's children for generations, mm-hmm. period. Um and we need to understand that it our sin is bigger than just us. The blessings of God, now here's the good news, go forever. So, mm-hmm. so why are the Jews blessed? Because Abraham chose to believe in God. Mm-hmm. And so they are still blessed to this day, thousands of years later. Mm-hmm. Not because they've been faithful, not because they've been good, but because God is good and faithful and he has honored the commitment, mm-hmm. the covenant that he made with Abraham. And so that's why throughout scriptures, God says, I am the God of Abraham, mm-hmm. I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. He is a relational God who remembers his covenant to these people, even though they've forgotten. And who has forgotten many of these things? Moses mm-hmm. and the people of Israel, who are now more Egyptian than they are Jewish. Yeah. And so ethnically, they're Jews. Culturally, yeah, they're, they're Egyptians. That's why they miss the melons. Mm-hmm. That's why they miss the meat. They miss the, the, they miss the lifestyle <laughs> right. of of you know, what they experienced, even though they were in slavery, they, they missed the lifestyle. And so, you know, so that, you know, that happened in America, you know, so slaves were brought to America. And so you are um, African ethnically, but culturally, you're American. you became American. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after the Civil War, a lot of people don't know this. Some of the slaves went back to Africa. I well, did not know Well, that. guess what? You're not African. <laughs> no, yeah. You're American. Completely different. And and you 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 don't speak the local dialects. Mm-hmm. And and so I forget the name of the country that specifically um, you know, and there's still some tension between America and this country because they they see themselves largely, they speak English, they understand um, you know, American culture and heritage. And I forget so put that in the show notes, but there's actually a country in West Africa that is largely ex-American slaves hmm. who went back 
voluntarily, some not voluntarily. Uh, you know, our history is <laughs> not the best. Um, but what you find is, um, just like, you know, uh, when American, uh, black Americans go back to Africa, Africans don't view you as African. No. They are very- You're American. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and so, so, so that's what happened to the Jews. And so they, they had become Egyptian. Yeah, N- not not on and not intentionally, just culturally. That's what happens when when you live in a culture, and so they have to change and they have to learn to become the covenantal children of mm-hmm. God. So we have to learn to become like our father Abraham. We have to learn to become like our father Jacob. We have to learn to become like our father Isaac, and we have to learn to relate to God in these ways. So it's a covenantal relationship. Having said that, there is a real truth that when you reject God, when you walk away from God there are consequences for your children. Now that doesn't mean your children can't in and of themselves repent and choose to follow God because God's mercies are there for them if they choose to repent. But here's the bottom line. If you don't raise your kids to love and follow God, the chances of them love and following God are less. This is why in America, so many young people have turned away from God. And I, I hate to harp on this, but so many parents are more religious with their children's sports, are more religious with their children's education, are more religious with their vacations than they are with God. Absolutely. So when your children grow up, which God do they worship? They worship sport, they worship school, they worship hobbies. Mm -hmm. And then you're sad because God is no longer number one. I am grateful, I hated it when I was a kid. I hated it. My, I, I played soccer. I was good at soccer. I got a, I got a uh, scholarship in college to play soccer. My parents said I could not play competitive soccer on Sundays. It was not happening. Mm-hmm. Saturday night church was not a thing that I knew of when right. I was a kid, unless you were a Seventh-day Adventist or Seventh-day Baptist. So we were not mm-hmm. Adventists or Seventh-day Baptists. Uh, those are people who choose to worship on Saturdays. They still believe, and we'll get into this at the next debrief, but they still believe that the Sabbath is something that they need to do. Right. I disagree. We're under a different covenant. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but again, if that's what you believe, I love you. God bless you. Follow your conscience. Um, so I'm so grateful that my parents said no. Right. Because one of the things that my parents sowed in me that I see missing in so many people is that God is first. And what that taught me was even when things were difficult, even when things were hard, um, you know, my mom and dad had a, had a bad fight. It was an ugly fight. Um, my mom ended up having a mark on her face. Hmm. We went to church on Sunday. Mm. We did not hide that sin. Mm-hmm. And I remember that as a kid, that where we run, when we hurt, when yeah. we make mistakes, when we make sin, is we don't run away from God, right. we run to God. And that was a powerful thing for me mm-hmm. as a kid, remembering that my dad had made a mistake. Um, you know, he had hurt my mom. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, he's never done it again. And um, they healed and mm-hmm. they went through counseling. Uh, my dad said, God and MasterCard saved their marriage <laughs> because they put, they put counseling on the credit card. And they mm. said, okay, we're, we're, going to, we're going to work through this. And I just remember as a kid and all my friends that I was jealous of, mm. they got to do other things on Sundays are not in church. Because again, parents, you know, it's right. Um, I was listening to uh, Nate Bargetti. Did you guys watch his new standup? It's so great, mm. right? You never lie as a kid and growing up a Christian home until you turn 12. <laughs> and then, right, you're always under 12. So you get, right. the, you get free meals, you get the discount at the parks. And again, as parents, what are you teaching your child? Absolutely. You're teaching your child to tell the truth unless it costs you. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? That means that 
God is not God. Um, avoiding pain is God. Well, that's that's a difficult God to worship because oftentimes the very things we need to do to experience blessings in life is to go through pain mm-hmm. and not run from it. And our culture is a culture that runs through pain. Madison is in here, uh, my oldest daughter, and she she picked a sport. She had to pick one. Uh, I told my kids, you don't get to do nothing in high school. You're not going to be a bump on a log, pick a sport. And she picked a really hard sport is mountain biking. It's not easy. It was rough. And I would tell her all the time, and she could quote me on this. I said, I know mountain biking is hard. Mm-hmm. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. And this will prepare you to get through hard mm-hmm. things. I didn't lie to my kid. I'm like, look, man, I, I get it. You want to puke? You want to poop? <laughs> you want to pass out? I understand. It's a hard, That's a hard sport. One. Life is hard. Yeah. And the sooner you embrace that and say, okay, sometimes I'm going to have to go through hard things. You know, uh, Jesus went went to the cross so you and I could go to heaven. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, right, there's difficult things for, that we have to go through. And so we just need to understand that. So Carly, here's what I would say. Mm-hmm. God is not punishing your daughter because right. of your sin. Your daughter may experience punishment because of your sin, mm-hmm. but God is not doing it. Um, so what you just need to do is whatever you're feeling guilty for, I would confess that to God. I would confess that to a counselor and just say, hey, is this something I need to share with my kid or mm-hmm. not? Because your kids don't need to know everything that mom and dad do. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's helpful to be, you know, totally transparent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, your kids are going to just be freaked by <laughs> how crazy you are as a parent. So uh, maybe tell that to them when they're, when they're adults. And even then they're like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> right. So what I would do is I would talk to a counselor and I would say, hey, is this something that I need to share with my mm. kids? Some things are appropriate. So you spent your money on Vegas and mm-hmm. you can't pay rent. Mm-hmm. Guess what's happening? Right. Your child is experiencing the punishment mm-hmm. of being foolish with your money. Mm-hmm. And now you can't pay the rent and maybe you can't feed them. Mm-hmm. God's not doing that. Right. Your choice did that. Yeah. Um, you gambled. You took a risk. You you made a failure. Our kids, our kids have to pay the piper for all of our failures. Mm-hmm. You cheated. Now mom's leaving. Now dad's leaving. Now the kid has to experience the consequence of divorce because you didn't obey the commandment, mm-hmm. which we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that one. That one is, that rule is that a real love, or excuse me, true love has real boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's the principle of adultery. And so a lot of people, so it goes against what our world says, right? right. I'm just Do love, whatever. man. Yeah. You know, and, and, and whatever is in love, mm-hmm. you know, that's no, lust. it's not. <laughs> and so- so I think sometimes we need to be honest with our kids and say, you know, here's what mommy and daddy did. Here's what happened. We made this mistake because again, God's not the one zapping your kids. Mm-hmm. And here's the beauty. Here's why I believe this. So the adults in the wilderness sin. Yeah. God does not hold the children accountable. Yeah, they all die off. Kids all the adults die off. The kids get to go in the promised mm-hmm. land. Moses doesn't go, mm-hmm. but the children do. And so I think that's so important for us to realize is that now, now there are consequences. The kids had to wander in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. They didn't get to go to the land of milk and honey. They could have, but mom and dad sinned. Mom and dad didn't believe. Mom and dad worshiped the golden calf. Right. And so now, you know, little Johnny and little Susie have to wander in the wilderness for 20 years. So they did experience some of the consequence. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that, you know, and again, the biggest problem I have with education, there's so many, is we're not teaching children to be responsible and that they are responsible. We teach all kids, it's not their fault. Yeah, It's everyone before you, and that's why you're jacked. That's why you're screwed. <laughs> and and so, right, so, so, you know, all you can do is protest. Yeah. You know, it's like, look, man, go out, get your life together. 
deal with yourself. I love what Jordan Peterson says, make your bed, eat your, bre- eat your breakfast, shut up, you know, get to work. <laughs> do what you gotta um, do. And so, so we have this generation of kids that, you know, oh, you spent $200,000 getting a PhD in basket weaving, but somehow that's my fault. <laughs> you know, okay, you know, nobody weaves baskets anymore. <laughs> so, so, so what you did is you bet on yourself, you made a stupid choice now, to be that's fair. Cool. Um, you know, like when, when Joe Biden said, you know, I'm gonna pay back school loans. Right. Okay, what, however you feel about that. Okay, if they're bad, stop giving them. Correct. No, no, like I, our, <laughs> I'm just like, our politicians are so stupid. If this is a bad thing, stop, stop doing right. it. But, but we don't, mm-hmm. we just keep making the same decisions going, well, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna write checks. So, you know, teach your kids that you yeah. made a mistake. And that's what I did with my kids. When I sinned, I would go to my children and I would say I was wrong and I need you to forgive me. Mm-hmm. I was angry. I yelled at your mom. I slammed the door, um, you know, when the kids were little, I spanked you too hard. Mm-hmm. I, that was that was not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a commitment and I know people have different feelings on spanking. My commitment was, you know, we, we spanked for two reasons, out and out defiance and if they endangered their lives. Mm-hmm. Those were the two reasons. But I was never going to, to uh, give physical discipline when I was angry. That was mm-hmm. my commitment. So, which is, as a parent, it's really hard to spank when you're not mad. Absolutely. So, because you realize, okay, this is, yeah. and so hate me if you're a parent, that's fine. Make your own decisions, you know, and when you, when your little Tyrannosaurus Rex turns 18, <laughs> call me. Um, but sometimes, sometimes as a parent, words didn't work. Yeah. And, and life has consequences and they're a real pain. And yeah. I chose, yeah. I chose to do that. We now, spa- yeah. yeah. We spanked so they're, for they're, rebellion and, yeah. and honestly, sometimes for lying because we feel yeah. like. Yeah. Satan's a liar. Yeah. So we don't. We so don't, everyone, every parent has their own that. thing. Yeah. It's just, oh my gosh, it's so mm-hmm. sad that I have to be so apologetic nowadays. <laughs> but, but when I, you know, I would let my temper get to me and I, I grabbed my kid mm-hmm. in anger or I scared them mm-hmm. in anger, I would have to circle back and say, that's sin. Right. Uh, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And daddy sinned in his anger. Mm-hmm. And I need you. I, I don't need you. I would like you to forgive me, you know, because what's a kid going to do? They're they're like your little slaves. So you have to be really careful, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't feel manipulated in that, but really feel like they have a part of the process. My kids are always so great. Oh, daddy, I'm so sorry. You're a sinner. You know, our church is in trouble. <laughs> um, but but just go to your kids and, and own it. And so that's what I would say, Carly. Yeah. If you've sinned, talk to someone first and say, is this something I need to bring up to my kid. Mm-hmm. And if so, how, cause it needs to be age appropriate. It needs to be content appropriate. And then just say, look, mommy and daddy did this, or I did this. And I think this has affected you, but God is not going to punish your daughter. Carly. Is it her daughter? Yeah. Because of what you did, mm-hmm. but your daughter may experience the consequences of your That's sin right. because of what you did. Right. And so, you know, like, um, if, if I, if I have a moral failure, at Sandals Church. I have a lot of people don't know this, but I have a contract with the board. I think I'm the only employee at Sandals Church that's under contract. So w- what the contract states is basically 15 ways I can be fired. It's really mm-hmm. nice. The board reads them out loud. One of those things is if I have, if I have an mm-hmm. adulterous affair mm-hmm. on Tammy, so I'm fired. Well, let's say my kids were younger and I have an affair. My kids didn't sin. Right. But now daddy lost his job. That's right. So now we may have to lose our home. They may have to move schools. We may have to change our lifestyle because of my sin has now impacted them. That's what the text means. My sin directly affects my children. And so- um, And I think parents, we have to 
own it. Yeah. Like we have to own the fact that our actions, whether good or bad, are affecting mm-hmm. our kids. There's a lot of times I'm sitting with with young girls and then I'm like, oh, the issue is not you. It's your mama. You yeah. know, like uh-huh. I have to like we have to own the fact that and, and the reason why we're sitting here is because my saving grace was my mom took me to church every Amen. single Sunday. Every single Sunday. And, you know, in the black church, we were there all day. Yeah. Oh, I there, know. It wasn't an hour, right? We were there from like nine to five. So it that we have to do this. We have to make this a priority in our in our mm-hmm. lives. Cause if it's not a priority to us, it will not be a priority for yeah. our kids. Absolutely. So, so I preached at black church one time. <laughs> and you know, in white church, like I have like five points. <laughs> right. And I realized we're not getting to point five. No. <laughs> I, so at one point in the middle of my sermon, the bass guitarist and the drummer ran back on stage they and they ready. started playing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need somebody to translate. And so there were two white people in the audience, me or in the church, me and my assistant. Oh my gosh. And, 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 and the church was great and they were responsive and encouraging, but I didn't leave like five minutes of celebration for the point. Like, cause you know, in white church, they're just like, they're like, like, that was really good. good. Thank you, pastor. I'm going to write, I want to write that down and think about that vigorously on my own time, (laughs) you know? And and in black church, it's like instant and celebration. Every point is a celebration. Like people got up and they start walking and like, and and I'm just, I'm like, what do I do during that? Cause I didn't know what to do. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of, all right. And at first I tried to over talk them. Yeah. And then I realized, no, you just, just, The train has left the station. Just celebrate with. And we're going to let that train move. <laughs> and, and I know when to move on when they're ready. And so That's I just awesome. had to, and I think I preached two points. That's awesome. So I had a five point message. It was great. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. it okay. Great. We got another question. We got to move on from this one. Carly, thank you for your. Yeah. For love your, you. Praying for you. Love you. And, praying for you. And um, I love that. I love that you said when you have sin, first mm-hmm. consult with somebody. If your kid is, it sounds like this child, this daughter might be older. I'm not sure, but yeah. Well, I've seen my, okay. I know we're moving on, but I've seen my wife recently do this where she's seen my daughters respond to conflict in certain ways. Sure. And she's literally said, Oh honey, my, my, and she says, yeah. she says, that's my sin. Mm. And I raised you to do that. Mm-hmm. And my wife is like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Don't do that. Absolutely. Don't live your life mm-hmm. in my relational sin. Absolutely. And it's been really hard for my wife because she's a great mom, but your kids are this mirror <laughs> Of your sin. And you're like, oh, it's it's rough. I always say my middle daughter is me like inside out. So (laughs) she's the, uh, she's much more expressive than me and outward and upfront and like in your face Mm. and um, very emotional. And I'm like, I would love to say that. And she just said it. Like that's exactly Mm -hmm. how she is. And so absolutely. uh, We're doing our best, but man, keep God first in your family. Amen. Amen. Okay. Anthony. Hello, Anthony from Hemet. When forming new habits that are good for you, how do you coordinate your time around them while also balancing time for God, family, and ministry? Essentially, how do you keep potential idols in check? Yeah, I think it's a lifelong struggle. Yeah. You know, Anthony, absolutely. I mean, I think that I look back at so many of the things that I was into that I devoted my life to. I mean, I spent 10 years of my life doing Ironmans. And, and if you don't know what that is, it's just a really long race for stupid people. Um, but I just, I mean, there, there were benefits to it, but there was wasted time hmm. and, and there's a piper. I mean, I, I have skin cancer because right. of Ironman training. And so, you know, that was okay. So that choice to be out in the sun to, I mean, I knew I was white. Like that wasn't, that wasn't like, I mean, I'm Irish, man. We, we have no sun. I, I knew those things. And now I have to pay the consequences sure. of that sin of saying, 
I'm going to go out. I'm going to pursue this, knowing that there's a consequence and 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 that's a reality. And and so I've always struggled with I'm I'm my personality is I'm all in or not. Mm. So I have to be so careful. You know, like my wife will say, "Can you just not go to the gym today?" That's really hard for me. Mm-hmm. I'm always on the verge of worshiping exercise. I'm on the verge of being worshiping my diet. You mm-hmm. know, like. I have to be very, very careful because I'm such an extreme personality one one way or the other. Before I live for God, I I was head to, head into hell in a handbasket. I don't know what that means, but that's what my grandma used to say. <laughs> and so I just was, I was like, I'm gonna sin, I'm gonna experience all of this. Right. And so um, you know, I just have always been that way. And so you just really have to pay attention. Um, and, and these things are hard, you know. Like uh, two weeks ago, some of our staff members are huge Philadelphia Eagles fans and then others were 49er fans and they were playing each other. And I remember as a pastor, you know, this is 20 years ago when the Los Angeles Lakers were good. And I know that's hard for some of you to remember. uh, And the Sacramento Kings were good. Mm -hmm. So, and I know people say you can't have two favorite teams, but I did. I grew up in Sacramento, but I grew up a Lakers fan. We didn't get the Kings until 1986. So, I, it wasn't an option and it never was a problem because Sacramento was horrible. Mm-hmm. And then in 2001, they were both really good. And we used to have Sunday night services and there wasn't recording. I couldn't play a video <laughs> right. and it was game seven of this series and they were going at it. And I almost called in sick for church. That's how bad it was. And, and you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. Like I, I have a call to preach the gospel <laughs> And I mean, right. And, and, and I got to tell you, so I made the right choice. Good. I came to church and preached, but I did not want to be there. Yeah. I, it killed me. And the Kings lost, which I think the Lord punished me, Carly. Um, <laughs> so, um, and if you guys don't remember, that was the guy Reffin was the guy that went to jail. He went to jail for cheating, for point shaving. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that whole, if you go back and watch that whole series, it is Jack. And I love the Lakers, but they should not have won. Sacramento, <laughs> Sacramento was a better team that, that year. Right. Um, and I think that will be the best team ever to not win a championship. But, wow. But anyways, I know Lakers fans will disagree, but the, the ref did go to prison <laughs> for cheating, Proof. for cheating. So, um, but you know, I mean, that's a great example, but there, there yeah. were things where, you know, I made, I made financial decisions, mm-hmm. you know, that I remember, I remember saying, okay, I'm, I'm a slave to Toyota because I bought a car we couldn't afford. And I was a slave for 60 months. Yeah. That's how long that financial commitment was. And because I had to have a nice car. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've just I've just constantly struggled with this. And so I think that a lot of your fights in marriage is because you have an idol of what you think marriage should be. Mm-hmm. And so your spouse is not acting like the little God you think they should be. And so you're criticizing them and you're going after them. And that's because you you married a sinner, man. Like yeah. you're a sinner. Like look at look mm-hmm. in the mirror. And I mean, here's what marriage is. Marriage is where you get to experience the very best of a person. And <laughs> Yeah. The absolute self-centered demonic like worst. (laughs) Right. So you experience both and and that's family. Yeah, that's right. Because let me tell you, every other relationship, it's 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 some level of fake. It's filtered. Yeah. (laughs) Every other relationship is filtered. And so um, you know, family and marriage is real and you have you have to deal with the real, raw, self-centered nature and sinfulness of people. And so we all create these idols 
And, you know, oftentimes we're so offended by others because our idol is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't like how you've treated me Mm -hmm. and I'm a little God and you haven't worshiped me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to deal with you. Mm -hmm. And that's why we we lose our minds in the 91 freeway for those of us who live in Southern California when somebody cuts us off because it's how dare you. Right. We're offended like we're God. And so we respond in offense. It's why we're insulted. It's why our culture is so sensitive because every little child we've raised like a little God and what happens, they turn into demons and they don't like it when things don't go their way. And so we just need to understand that, that we all have a propensity to this. And for some of us, it's things that we pursue and some of us, it's things we don't do. So like you're either an active person or a lazy person. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, our sin is not idle, I-D-O-L, yeah, it's idle, so I-D-L-E. Yeah. And we just, we don't do, God would never ask me to do anything hard. Right. God would never ask me to do anything difficult. God would never want me to struggle. Right. And it's like- Comfort what, is your what, idol. Yeah, yeah. What, 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 what Bible are you reading again? <laughs> um, because, you know, when the apostle Paul calls, excuse me, when God calls the apostle Paul, he says to Ananias, I will teach him what it means to suffer mm-hmm. for my name's sake. <sighs> okay. That's rough, mm-hmm. and and we need to understand that. And so, so I would just say, uh, Anthony, man, it's a great question. Just be be so aware of it, and then invite others to speak into your life mm-hmm. if they see you making an idol of something. Man, if you are more engaged in a sport game, sport game or sporting event than you are in church, that's an idol. Absolutely. If you will miss church for anything, but not a hobby, not work, not sport, mm-hmm. that's an idol. And so we need to build our lives around. So so the principle of the Sabbath that we get to this week is God is at the center. So there are six days, right, that rotate around mm-hmm. this one day. And and that's that's what it looks like to worship God with your calendar. We live in a society where you can't do that. Guess what? So did the Jews in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They were not allowed to Sabbath. They were not allowed to rest. What happened when God said, hey, I want a special festival? Pharaoh gave them more work and no rest mm-hmm. and then held them accountable and beat them. And so, you know, these things are, are really, really difficult. And especially as Christians, it drives me crazy. You know, Muslims in this country have changed the way you dress at work. Christians can't do it. You know, it's just like, you know, Jews are not asked to work on Saturdays. Christians would never talk to their boss right, ever right. for any reason. And that's just ridiculous. And it's like, look, man, I'm going to work here, but I have to have my time to worship. Yeah. And so, um, hmm. you know, you, you need to you'd be able to do that. And you may not be able to do it once, but you talk with your boss and say, look, man, I've given my life to Christ. I'm building my life around God. I need Sunday mornings off. Mm-hmm. Not all day, Sunday mornings. And so you can, you know, you can move your Sabbath for where you want. A lot of people don't realize, but for Jews, Sabbath starts on Friday evening at sunset and it actually ends on Saturday mm-hmm. at sunset. Mm-hmm. So it's a party in Israel on Saturday nights. Friday night is dead. Uh, one of my best experiences ever was driving on the freeway in Israel on Sabbath. I could have done donuts, donuts <laughs> on the highway. It, it, it was great. Yeah. Um, so but we all struggle with this. Yes. I mean, you constantly are checking and evaluating and reevaluating what is at the forefront of your life and what mm-hmm. needs to change and what needs to tweak and keeping God in the center. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like when, when women won't say their age. I will. Yeah. Well, but what do they worship? <laughs> you worship, well, you, you worship youth and beauty. <laughs> yeah. And, and both of those things fade. And so that's part of our right. culture, you know? <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't care what Taylor Swift thinks about life. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I mean, I mean, call me in 30 years when you're rolled up, but people, you know, you know, oh, you know, um, they just, they just talk about this. Uh, who won the best new record? Izzy? Yeah. 
she literally I said, I, I want to, I want to be, I wanted to be a positive force. And then goes on to drop F bomb after F bomb <laughs> after and I'm like, I'm like, Izzy, like what are you like what are I you didn't doing? Even watch the, I haven't watched the Grammys yeah. in years. I know, I just watched I don't even know what is who it I don't Lizzo. I Lizzo. Was it Lizzo? What did I say? Izzy? Lizzo. Lizzo. Oh, that's how old I am. Okay, so funny story about Lizzo. Okay, so my husband, he really doesn't listen to a lot of secular music at mm. all. So he has never heard, I don't know, I can't remember what Lizzo's like most popular song is about that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except not, right? <laughs> I said it the Jesus way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he has never heard that song. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? Okay, he never heard that song. Yeah. So he's flipping through Christian music and he hears some guy make a remake of this song. Okay. And he's like grooving to it. He thinks it's the best thing ever. He's like, this is so good. Mm -hmm. He sends the guy a message. This is such a great song. So he plays it for us in the car and we're like, babe, that's a, that's a Lizzo song. He's like, what? what? He doesn't like when Christians like remake oh, secular yeah. music into like <clears throat> yeah, Christian yeah. music. Yeah, because we're not, we're not creative enough. Right. So he's like, that's kind of cheesy. So anyway, it was just funny. They never heard that song. He got this, listened to this Christian version of it. And he was mm-hmm. like, what? I even sent this guy a message and told him it was really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, is, yeah. is there a song? It's about damn time. Is that it what it is? is? Well, I see. I think that is the right lyrics because she's it's talking about being damned. That's what, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we, we we forget what that word means. That's right. The word damned means to hell. Damned. Yeah. To hell. Like Tammy, Tammy and I were talking about the word goodbye. It comes from the old English, God be with ye. Oh, yeah. So it's the shortened version of God be with ye. So, you know, we've lost that. That's cool. You know, God be with you. Yeah. Um, and so what Lizzo is saying is, yeah, it, well, there is going to be a time when a lot of people who follow your philosophy will be damned. Yeah. So- you better understand that and, and, and know that God is going to hold you accountable. So yeah. uh, I, I said, Izzy, Lizzo. Lizzo, that's how old I am. That See, but my husband never even heard the song before until he heard the, the, the sanctified version, which wasn't that great, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. We were laughing at him like, seriously, you've never heard this before? He's like, I don't know. So my very first Grant <laughs> Grammys, this is how old I am. I remember the first Hollow Notes won best album of the year. And I thought they were so cool. <laughs> they were <laughs> I don't know I had to be in like fifth or sixth grade they won it was the year before Michael Jackson won everything so the next year I remember I watched it Michael Jackson won every award yeah so whatever thriller was um, so I didn't know this about Michael Jackson did you know that off the wall was the top selling most number one hits album of all time prior to thriller and I no one no one talks about off the wall isn't that crazy that's how big thriller was that People have completely forgotten yeah. off the wall. Off the walls on when he's stepping on the things yeah. and they light up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was still too young, but I remember Thriller as a little girl. Yeah. That's before, off the walls before the nose job. I know. Yeah. So Michael. he doesn't look like the same dude from yeah, off the wall right. to Thriller. It looks like two different people. My he, first he had like CD the, the was. The tight afro. Yes. Off the wall with the, I think with the tux. My first seat, my dad owned a record shop back in the 90s. Oh no. Okay. Now you're just dropping truth. I know. Wow. In New in Newberry's. Do you guys remember Newberry's? Maybe not. That no. was in Pomona. It was like a little store. It was kind of like pick and save, but then it was okay. like, anyway, he owned a record shop right there. So I used to get all, when CDs first came out, yes. we were getting like all the CDs. My first one was Michael Jackson Bad. Mm. That was your first CD? It was. My first album was, oh man, uh, something on the dance floor. <laughs> uh, freakazoid robots <laughs> awesome. something on the dance floor and our yeah zappe it's all freakazoid robots report to the dance floor that's awesome <laughs> that was pretty yeah. good oh yeah dude i i used to yeah 
I grew, way I grew, off topic. <laughs> I, I grew up in a neighborhood where being black was cool and being white was not cool. That's so okay. I, yeah. I remember it wasn't until I didn't hear about white music till junior high. I was like, you too. What's that? Oh, wow. In junior high. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about alternative music till junior high. I was like, what is this? See, I was the girl in middle school. I made all my friends listen to white music. What'd you like? I love. Okay. So I'm like, that's early nineties. So I loved Alanis Morissette. Okay. Like okay. loved, like loved Green Day. Oh, whoa. I was like the weirdest. Yeah, you are weird. I was weird. My You're dad weird. was kind of like that too. Like he Alanis liked. Alanis Morissette's like scary witch woman. No, not Alanis. Wasn't she? She's a little strange. Like soup. Wasn't she super pale eyeliner? See, I'm older no, than No, Alanis so. is Canadian. Mm. Crazy hair. Okay, sorry. I'm, so I'm, 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 did you I'm, see I'm, my crazy hair? Yeah, how old Dan? are you? I'm 39. I'll be 40 so this I'm like, year. I'm like 12 years older than you. So yeah. I'll be I will be. Yeah. Where are we? We're just all over. We're talking about music. We're talking about Lizzo. This is awesome. You guys are awesome. Okay. okay yeah, call just it. so you know, I took ADD medicine today. You did <laughs> it's not. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Colin from Canyon Lake. Hey, Colin. Hey, Colin. Um, it says, you made a distinction between Pharaoh's heart being hard and God confirming Pharaoh's heart heartedness. Mm -hmm. As I was listening to a commentary this week, the speaker said the same thing. I know that God wants everyone to turn to him through the grace of Jesus, but it seems really obvious that mm. God allows us to make the choice to do so or not. Mm -hmm. There are several people in my life who have left the church and seems to have made up their minds that they're done with the church, Jesus and God, and are doing what they think is right in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Could this be a situation similar to what God did with Pharaoh and has just confirmed their hard hearts? Am I reading too much into this? And he says his heart Yeah, hearts. I think I actually know this guy. I think he did his wedding. So call in, text the show, and tell tell us if if I did your wedding. I think this guy almost died right before he got married, and it was like he had to have surgery. Oh wow! Yeah. So call in, let me know if this is you, because that was like the best wedding I ever did. Like he Aww. was like he was like on pain meds, and he could, could barely stand, but uh, he did it because he married he married the most amazing woman. If this is if this is the Colin from Canyon Lake, <laughs> um, Colin, you know absolutely this is what is happening. So mm -hmm. it's known it's theologically the term is judicial hardening. And so what this means is God begins to work on our hearts and we say no and no and no. And so we often think of God's judgment as something that happens at the end of life. So like mm. you stand before God and you are judged. But judicial hardening is the beginning of that process. So think about it in terms of John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A lot of people don't know John 17. That says, for those who reject Jesus have already been judged. Mm -hmm. And so that process of rejecting God begins with denying the Holy Spirit and the conviction of God. And we can, in our lives, move away from God. And so here's the thing is, I think the difference here, Colin, is, is that Pharaoh was not a Christian. Not, he, I mean, Christianity didn't exist. So he right. was not a God-fearer mm -hmm. and, 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 and hard in his heart. I think the struggle for you is you had friends and maybe family that were God-fearers or they were in the church mm -hmm. at one time. And then over time, they drift away, they harden their hearts, and they believe that what they're doing is right. And so ultimately, all sin, all sin comes down to one commandment. It's the first commandment. Thou mm -hmm. shalt have no other gods but by me, for I am the God who delivers you from bondage. Mm -hmm. So even in the first commandment is the gospel. So what does Jesus do? He he delivers us from eternal slavery, which is bondage in hell forever. Mm -hmm. um, and so these people, for a time, and, and I've experienced this, man, we've had pastors in our church that, I thought had a genuine relationship hmm. with God. Over time, their theology has changed. They've fallen out of church. These are people I, I, I talked with, trusted, uh, wrestled through scripture with, 
scripture with, served in ministry with, mm-hmm. and they've just drifted for whatever reason. And ultimately, why do people drift? It's because they don't want a God who tells them that there are rules. And again, why do we need the Ten Commandments? Because these are really old rules for our new life. And so people want to believe that they can have this new life in God and create whatever rules they mm-hmm. want. That is not the one true God. Even Jesus, even if you're like, well, I don't believe that we need to follow the Old Testament. Okay, fine. Even Jesus said there are two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two commandments, and all of the law hinders on these two things. Even Jesus said, look, man, you've got to live according to Mm -hmm. a rule-oriented life because otherwise we're just doing what we want. And it goes back to Anthony from Himmet's thing. Then what we do is we create an idol of God Mm -hmm. that does what we want. And and again, I don't know for people who caught this, what is an idol? An idol is something that gives me position. Mm -hmm. It's something that gives me preference. And it's something that gives me pleasure. What have your friends done? They believe that they have a new position. So God's number number one. I am. I do Mm -hmm. what I want. Well, what happens? And then I get to do whatever I want by my preference. I get to go to church or not go to church. Mm-hmm. I get to believe the God in God or not believe God. I get to read the Bible or not get to read the Bible. And then what happens? I get to satisfy my pleasures. I get to do what I want. And so there's a place where you get position. There's a place where you get preference. And there's a place where you get to have all the pleasure you want. It is called hell. And Jesus said it would be better for you to gouge out your eye and cut off your hand then go there because you are going to be trapped with all humanity who wants to act like gods, including Satan, including Mm -hmm. all of his followers and everybody's vying to be God. Everyone is pursuing position. Everyone is pursuing preference and everyone is pursuing their own pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that's not what heaven is. In heaven, God is number one. Number two, we are all serving and living according to his preference, right? How does God want me to live? And that's why, you know, um, whenever you do funerals, you know, everybody thinks everybody's in heaven. Um, yeah. you know, that's what they think. And, um, it, it's really, really difficult for anybody to say, yeah, I don't think they made it mm-hmm. because that's just so hard for us. And ultimately we don't know, but people's lives give you a picture of, yeah. you know, where right. they're headed. Yeah. And again, if somebody doesn't live for God on earth, why would they want to live with God Absolutely. in heaven? And so many, so many people struggle with this, you know, like I, I've got a friend of mine who says, well, when I get to heaven, God's just going to let me in. And I just said, listen, can you imagine some homeless random person right. showing up, up to at your, your door, door and knocking and saying, listen, I am going to live with you. Wait for it forever. Right. And you shall let me yeah. in. There's only there's only one person <laughs> that we all allow to live with us before we've ever met them. Do you know who that is? It's our children. Yep. So who gets into heaven? God's children. That's good. And the only way you can become a son or daughter of God is by following your big brother, Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's the only way. It's the only way you can be adopted. God only has one child, Mm -hmm. Jesus, but he has adopted sons and daughters, you and me, Mm -hmm. and we can be adopted because of Jesus. And so again, that's what people say is like, well, he's just going to let me in. You're going to force your way into God's house? (laughs) Because when Jesus describes heaven, what does he say in John 14? In my father's house, there are many rooms. Mm -hmm. If it were not so, so I would have told you. Behold, I go to prepare a place for For you. you. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's why we don't worry. That's why we're not afraid. And so here's what people believe is I can be my own God. I can live my own life and I'm going to be a good person. But the problem is goodness starts with the first command. Thou shalt have no other gods Mm -hmm. but by me. So when a person says, I'm a good person. What you're saying is you write your own commands. You've decided, here are the commands, and I have 
I can check these boxes mm-hmm. because I get to write in stone what is good. No, no, no. Yeah. Only God does. And so as soon as a person says, I'm a good person, what you're saying is God's word does not accurately say what is good, right, and true. I do. Yeah. Do you think, I, I mean, I feel like in my life, at least recently, there have been several that I am watching hard in their hearts, kind of like what yeah. you're saying, Colin, and it's it's heartbreaking. I feel like it happens so subtly where you're just kind of like, no, mm-hmm. no, not church here, or, or I'm not going to serve here, or mm-hmm. I don't need community here, or... You know, yeah, I know God might be dealing with that, but I want to do my own thing. And I feel like it's a, it's always a slow fade. I know, but it's it's horrible. So my mom's best friends, mm-hmm. they, they met in church. Um, and my dad actually was trying to date my friend's uh, mom, mm-hmm. but she was dating someone else, her, her future husband. And <laughs> okay. so my dad asked my mom out and Aww. they all got married at the same time, went to the same college. And in my childhood, they started creeping away from church. Mm-hmm. They bought a boat. Mm-hmm. So they started going to the lake on the weekends and I started watching this and then they would go to church every now and Mm -hmm. then they wouldn't go to church at all. Mm -hmm. Then they started drinking. My mom's best friend died in her home alone in a diaper, paying the yard guy, bribing the yard guy to bring her booze. Oh gosh. At the end of her life, she wasn't even eating food. She was just drinking alcohol. Mm. She hated God. Her own kids didn't speak to her. And she, I don't, whether she went to hell or not, I don't know. But I know this, she she ended her life in hell. Mm-hmm. And and so, so again, oftentimes we think of hell as something that's coming. Hell is something that's here now. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this. And you saw Sam Smith at the Grammys. What is he doing? He is preparing for his eternity. Yeah. And man, you guys just need to know that mm-hmm. and, and, and understand that. And so it starts with little things. Yeah. And so for me, man, I'm always checking my heart. I'm always wanting to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, right? So what does Ezekiel say? You have a heart of stone, I'm gonna give you a heart of flesh. And so we need to learn to feel, we need to learn to be sensitive. And God help me if I ever block the Holy Spirit from my life. I wanna be be sensitive. And and so here's the thing, Colin, um, when Sandals Church first started, we were a very, very small church. I think we had about 25 people. I went to a church growth concert where a guy by the name of Bill Hybels spoke. Conference. Conference. What did I say? Concert. Concert. Yeah. We went to a, <laughs> a conference. Sorry. Thank you. We went to a conference and Bill Hybels spoke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the, at the end of this conference, I was sitting on the front row. I threw myself on the floor mm-hmm. and I, and I, I remember all of our leadership did the same. They're like, well, pastor's on the floor. We're, on the floor. <laughs> We're going. And they all threw the, we all threw ourselves on the floor. And I said, God, I want to do whatever it takes to be used by you to change the world and tell people about your son, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And I remember Bill Hybels walked down the stage and he looked at me and I stood up, I had tears in my eyes. He never connected with me emotionally. He asked me the name of my church and where we were from. He never talked about my response to his Hybels message. Hybels in Chicago, right? Yeah, Bill Hybels in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And God used that man to speak to my heart. Mm. But I don't know if Bill Hybels ever knew God. So it, it's come right, out. He right. knew a bunch of information about God. He, he kn- could tell people right. how to connect with God. Right. He connected me powerfully to God. But that dude doesn't go to church. He's no. been kicked out of the church that he planted. Right. And again, this scariest chapter in the Bible is Matthew 7. Is it 13 or 14? Depart from me, you, yes. you workers of iniquity. I, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. So again, why don't people get into heaven? You're not his child. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know you. You're mm-hmm. a stranger knocking on the door and you're not getting in because you didn't actually know him. So here's the thing, Colin, people go to church for all kinds of reasons. Well, we got our kids need morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, our marriage needs mm-hmm. structure. We like we like these people. 
That's none of those right. things get you saved. Right. Look, man, there are great people at this church. There are good kids at this church. I think we learned some positive things at church. None of that saves you. Only a real relationship with Jesus Christ saves you. And here's the thing. When God got a hold of my heart, hmm. and I mean, he got a hold of my heart, he changed me. And I can't imagine ever going back on that. And right. my, my wife and I were, man, we had, we had, we were at a conference last week where one of our pastor friends, I think he's getting a little shaky in his theology. And he just made this statement. He said, at the end of the day, if my wife is good with me and my kids are good with me, I'm good with my theology. That's what he said. I turned to Tammy and I said, <laughs> I love you and I love the kids. You do not dictate my theology. Mm -hmm. So, and here's what his point was. If my kids deconstruct their faith, he said, I'm going with my kids. I told my wife, I'm not going with you. I love you. I right. love our kids. If you reject God, I'm not going with That's you. That's right. Because, you know, Jesus says, unless you eat my, my, my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of the kingdom. And everybody leaves. And, and he looks at the disciples. He says, are you going to leave us too? And, and I think Peter wanted to, because like, that's, that's really weird, weird. <laughs> right? you know? And, but Peter says, where are we going to go, Lord? Right. He says, Absolutely. you alone have the words that lead mm. to eternal life. And so this is a hard teaching. This is a difficult teaching. I think it's a weird teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if Jesus, you were reading Harry Potter, but you know, this feels wrong, right. <laughs> but I'm, 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 staying. I'm sticking with you. That's and right. so that's the thing, man, I'm all in on Jesus. Hmm. And, um, you know, like C.S. Lewis says, Jesus was either crazy. That's right. He was either demonic mm -hmm. or he's the son of God. That's right. But he is not a good teacher. He's one of those three. Right. And I believe that he is the son of God and I've placed my soul in him, Colin, and I am not moving. I, I am not moving. I am not changing. Even if my own children and my own wife walked away, it would kill me. I am not leaving. That's right. Because Amen. where am I going to go? Mm -hmm. And And again, What's this subtle idol? Family yeah. and marriage. Those are beautiful things, but they're not a God thing. That's and we have to be so, so careful because for some of us, it's a boat. For some of us, it's a bottle of wine. For right. some of us, it's a joint. For some of us, it's our kids. It's our family. And all of a sudden, my theology has to change because, oops, my kid's gay. Yeah. Look, man, if your kid's gay, love them. Love them. Don't change your theology. Right. Don't. Why would you why would you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I I'm gonna love my kids. I'm gonna love my grandkids, no matter what they struggle with, but I am never gonna change my love for God. So and, good. And, and and you know, I don't, you know, oh, this is this is God's word and I'm gonna be a jerk. And you know, that's not me, but I'm not compromising what I believe. And so I'm so sorry, Colin. I've experienced that. It's really, yep. really hard. I think I think people think it's cool to deconstruct their faith. I would just say they may not have ever had it. There may, they may have never been a construction. So I think that's so good. I really, really, when you're sitting here, I'm like fired up inside. I really, really hope uh, again, if you hear the Lord's voice, do yeah. not harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. And I love uh, that rock solid conviction for me. It's Jesus or Amen. nothing. No yeah. turning back. No turning back. Yeah. There, there's one who died and came back. That's right. Well, who else we got? Right. Like, it ain't you. Like Buddha wrote, yeah, Buddha wrote some <laughs> right. cool stuff, but you know, right. you know, Muhammad, you know, whatever, Jesus rose. Can I also say yeah. if you just heard, cause I don't know if you're fired up like me, but if you just listen to Pastor Matt say that he threw himself on the floor and cried out to God and said, whatever I got to do, like some of y'all need to do that. Amen. I mean, you need a yeah. moment with Jesus mm -hmm. where you hit the floor and you say everything that I've got belongs to you. Yeah. Amen. And, and some people, you know, you know, they haven't done that. 
No. And and man. you need that. You need that earth-shaking moment with Jesus. Yeah. And if you haven't had it, right. get on your knees. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Amen. Yes. Dude. Yes. I think our, our crew got saved. That <laughs> was so good. Yeah. Can I have an invitation? <laughs> In Jesus' name. That was so good. Okay. Michelle's. <laughs> I know. Two more. Oh, my gosh. This is the longest podcast ever. Are we really long right now? We are yeah. really long. It's okay. I'll be quick. I promise. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, because we want to get to this one, and I won't interrupt you anymore and, and say that. That was so good. Thank I'm you. sorry. That was, like, powerful. I hope that you sense the Holy Spirit in that just like I did. Okay. Michelle from Source City says, why do people have to choose God while they're alive? You kind of just answered that. Why can't God give their spirit a chance to repent? Why does the period of grace end at physical death? Right. So so the church is divided on this issue. So the Catholic church and the Episcopal church believe that there's a thing called purgatory. Mm-hmm. And so that's a moment after, after death where uh, people have an opportunity to repent and believe in God. If you want to read a book about this, uh, the best book that I've read on it is The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is a person that um, I, I respect immensely. I think on this issue, it's not something that I agree with. So, um, you know, wh- where does the idea of purgatory come from? It's really, really difficult from our evangelical Bible. There's a book in uh, the Catholic Bible in the middle of your Bible. It's called the Apocrypha. It's Greek for the word hidden. And there is a book called First Maccabees and Second Maccabees. First Maccabees is really boring. Second Maccabees is, I think, is fantastic. Um, it's quoted. It's quoted in our Bible. It's actually in Hebrews chapter eleven. Some surrendered unto death so that they might receive a better resurrection. And you're like, what are they talking about? It's from the seven sons of this woman in, I believe, it's uh, Second Maccabees chapter sixteen. I'm not. 100% sure that I've got the uh, the verse right on that, but because uh, my Catholic Bible's in storage. So um, we, we've moved. So we, we moved in a little tiny house, so I don't have the same library that I had. But uh, but from from the Christian perspective, it says, the Apostle Paul says, we will all stand before the uh, the fiery throne of God and, and see what happens. And so some will be burned as straw, some will be burned as hay, some wood, some gold, some silver to see, you know, how we did in life, and some of us will su- suffer loss. This is a very loose translation here. Uh, but we will be saved, and here's the verse, as through fire. fire. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the verse comes from. And so it's this idea of of people who, who did not get a chance to hear Jesus, you know, will, will be able to have an opportunity. But not all Catholics believe that. Some Catholics don't believe it, that it is a little literal purgatory, a place where you suffer for your sins, but it's a place of purging where you hmm. are purified. And so here's the theological difference. I know I'm, I, I said I was going to go quick is how does God sanctify us? Mm-hmm. So we are saved by grace and we are justified by grace, but there's this process of sanctification. So think of that in English. How is God make me like a saint? Mm-hmm. How is God making me perfect? So no one can stand before God unless they're perfect. So some Christians say that we are declared righteous, and so we just are. Other Christians say that there's actually a process of purification that we must go through, and they point to that passage in Corinthians where we will be judged as through fire but saved. And so that's where they get that understanding. And so here's the thing. A lot of early Christians believe this. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not just Catholic Christians. Early Christians believed this, that, that there was an actual process of God making us perfect at, before we enter into the presence of God. And mm. so that process 
And so the, it's the idea of flame. That's where the idea of purging comes from. So some say it's a process of purity. Uh, it could be a moment, second. I mean, again, mm -hmm. you know, when you die, you're stepping outside of time into eternity. Mm -hmm. So we have no idea what that looks like. Some people say it's a place of waiting where um, we decide, and that's what the, the book of, uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce is all about. And it's actually really, the two main characters are a mother and a son. The son chooses to choose God. The mother demands that if, if you love me, you would come to hell with me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I mean, it is really, really rough. And so C.S. Lewis's perspective is this, is um, you, you're not going to be comfortable in heaven until you've gotten the things of hell out of you. Mm. So that, that's just this whole thing. And so he's just saying, look, there's a, there's a process, there's a purification that takes place where God actually works those things out of you. And so here's C.S. Lewis's point. Like me, C.S. Lewis is a libertarian theologian. So what does that mean? God is love, and in that, he always requires free choice. So I'm not saying I agree with C.S. Lewis, but I'm trying to outline why he believes this. All change must be voluntary. Mm -hmm. So that is C.S. Lewis' principle. So I think you and I grew up in church. We just kind of think we die, and then we're perfect. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. For C.S. Lewis, that creates a theological problem because your transformation has now been forced upon you. Mm. And so he says, because God is love, all transformation must be a voluntary process. And so for him, purgatory is the place where we sit and we purge hmm. our sins from us so that we can go. It's not an issue of salvation. You are saved by the blood of the lamb. Hmm. You're, you, you, you are no longer going to die, but there still is sin in you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, none of us have a loved one that died perfect. Right. So that's his point. So what happens to the person who dies with sin still in them. Mm. It must be purged so that they can come before the throne of God. So that is his understanding. Most people that are like me, like sandals, evangelical disagree with mm -hmm. that. They think that it is a judicial declaration. So God has declared You're you are righteous. righteous mm -hmm. And so therefore you are. So we don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of great theologians. There's a lot of great heavy hitters that that disagree on that process and we don't know. All of the verses, and I could give you like nine of the verses that I, you know, my Catholic friends use to defend it from the Christian Bible. They're not great. It, it, it's, I think it's more of a philosophical problem than it is a scriptural problem. And what I would say is, here's what, uh, and again, why the name Sandals? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call unless they hear? They can't hear unless someone preaches. That's why it is said, how beautiful are the feet mm -hmm. that bring good news. That's where Sandals gets its name from, at least. That's what I thought <laughs> creatively. Someone said the other day, why did you name it Sandals? I was like, look, dude, I was 26. That sounded cool. So give me a break. Um, so, 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 so here's what we know. We are saved. What, ha what is the penalty, penalty of sin? It's death, eternal yeah. death. What has God promised through Jesus? Eternal life. I'm going to trust him with that process. Now, having said that, what happens to those who never hear, who didn't mm -hmm. have an opportunity? Um, you know, some say like C.S. Lewis, people get a second opportunity to repent forever because God is good, God is gracious, God is love. That's C.S. Lewis's point of view. Some say after, you know, the apostle Paul says, it is appointed once for a man to die and after that comes the judgment. Again, so is it the final judgment or is there is there a process mm -hmm. of, you know, we don't, we don't know because, you know, we don't have this incredible picture of what life looks like post heaven. You know, I know there's a book, Four Minutes in Heaven. It's like, great, that's four minutes. Well, you know, <laughs> right. What does eternity look like? So, so, and that's what I was just say is, is at Samuels, we want to, there are some issues that are closed fist. Mm -hmm. So what are closed fists? We're not going to negotiate on this. There's one God. We're not changing on that. 
uh, you can only be saved by God's son who died on the cross for you. There is salvation in no one else. We're mm -hmm. not going to change on those things. God's word is God's word. It is truth and it directs us and it is totally authoritative on our right. lives. Like those are three closest things. I'm not changing on what God's word says. Then there are open hand things. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, here's what I think. Here's what I feel. Here's what I believe. And here's the thing in Christianity. There's a whole lot more open hand things mm -hmm. uh, than we want to, to yeah. uh, admit. Purgatory is one of those things. Some For some people, it's a closed vis thing. For me, it's not. Salvation is a closed vis thing. Mm -hmm. You are saved by grace through faith. How God sanctifies us post-death, I don't know. Hmm. I just don't know. Um, you know, we have this really weird passage in 2 Corinthians. Is it 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians where it says, and it's 1 Corinthians 15. I got it. You don't have to look it up. He says, uh, see, it's in the brain. It's, it's got <laughs> to rattle it around and it's in there. <laughs> But Paul, the apostle Paul is arguing for the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And he said, you would not baptize for the dead if there was no resurrection. Wait, wait, what? We, yeah. no, nobody <laughs> knows who baptizes for the dead. <laughs> right. Why would you do that? Well, the church in Corinth must have had an understanding. And Paul, Paul doesn't tell us, like as far as we know, that's heretical. It wasn't a church practice. <laughs> but, but it seems to indicate that, that are, there are saints who who needs something in the next life. Why mm -hmm. would you do that? That's why the, the Mormon church still does this yeah. practice. They still baptize for the dead. And that is the biblical proof text for that. No Christian church that I'm aware of Catholic Orthodox or evangelical like us does it. Only mm -hmm. the Mormons do it. And I think the Mormons are wrong on almost everything. Mm -hmm. um, but on that one, they do have um, a scripture for, it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys, I was in the jacuzzi <laughs> in Mexico last week with this Mormon bishop. <laughs> We had the best conversation. That's awesome. So his name is Jesse. And Jesse, if you're listening to this, dude, I love you, man. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And um, man, Jesse, he's so committed to God. Hmm. I just, I just, I'm praying for you as a bishop of the Mormon church, just dump Joseph Smith. Yeah. Dump him and pursue Jesus. Man, hmm. his heart was so open. You know, we are actually discussing homosexuality. Wow. Because the because the, the Catholic Church, the Mormon Church is struggling with that. Yeah. And he just said, can you explain to me why you believe? And I just said, I just started, I said, sex is sacred. Mm -hmm. And we just start. And he was like, he literally said this. He goes, man, I wish I would have recorded this conversation. <laughs> I said, well, actually, I've talked about this. It's on my debrief. <laughs> it's on my sermons. And he downloaded it. So awesome. Jesse, if you're listening, man, you are awesome. I love you. Uh, we are saved by grace through faith, and I'm praying for you. And and here's what I said: I said all religious structures have these things that are broken. Mormonism has a lot. Hmm. You know, my my Baptist faith, man. We 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 have a mess. You know, we. I don't know if you know this, but you know why we're Southern Baptists? Because we had slaves. Yeah, that's gross. You're right. Right. But the American Baptists have gone nuts. So right. So you're, so 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 right. So they don't believe anything anymore. So now you got to be Southern. All my black friends are Southern Baptists now. I'm like, you don't think that's a little weird? Um, be, but they're becoming Southern Baptists. Right. And by the way, Southern Baptists have publicly stated and repented and said we were wrong. That was grotesque. And again, that's what the Mormon Church should do. Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith was whack. He liked women right. way too much. Right. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's right. He did. He was, he was a sexual predator. That's yes, who he was. was. Yeah. We know that that is not biblical. So reject him, fall on Jesus, find a great Christian church, mm -hmm. start studying. And, and they were just, they were so fantastic. And so, man, where that am I good. going with this? So, so anyways, there, 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 there are closed fist issues and open-ended right. issues. Uh, Michelle, there may be another opportunity. I, and let me say this. I don't know. Here's what mm -hmm. I know. Everyone who confesses while they're alive that they're a sinner and they believe in Lord Jesus Christ, here's the beauty of that, Michelle. We know they're saved. Right. So 
Why, why bet on what we don't know? Right. Let's ground ourselves in what we do know. And that's why we need to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. We need to share the gospel because Jesus promised that all to come, all who come to him, he would in no way cast away. Yeah. So, so we don't know, and Christians disagree on the next life. Here's what we know in this life. All yes. who call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. It says, shall, shall be, saved. be saved. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Dude, I'm preaching today. It is so good. Keep going. We're good. Okay, Dave. Hey, Dave from Pasadena. Dear Pastor Matt, sorry for the late question, but hope you answer. You made a ra- rather, sorry, rather scathing comment in your last sermon that some of you haven't been back into church since COVID. This applies to me. To clarify, we live with an immunocompromised family member and a baby that we are both mindful of and haven't been to church since COVID out of concern for them. My wife and I watch sandals online every weekend, tithe faithfully, thank you, and limit social gatherings in all areas of our life, not just church service. My question is, is this an example of putting health and safety as an idol before God? Or are there circumstances where an online church life is acceptable? Yeah. So Dave, let me just apologize. I agree with you. I thought my comment was scathing. Um, so I only preached once. Um, that's not something I would have done in the live version. I didn't preach live that weekend because I was on my back. So, so, so let me just ask for forgiveness, Dave. I, I think that you're absolutely right. I think how we say things is just as important as what we say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great example of how not to say things. So thank you for calling me out on that. Um, I, I think that the way I said it was sinful. I think what I was saying is truthful. And so let me let me say that. Uh, you know, um, you have an immunocompromised family member. I'm so sorry for that. And I, I'm praying for you guys and grateful for you guys. So here's what I would say, Dave, is... You know, are, are you guys going to concerts? Are you going to clubs? Are you going to restaurants? Are you sitting? So so if you're limiting all gathering, I think then it's appropriate to limit church gathering. But if church gathering is the only gathering that you are not doing, I think that's a problem. And so all of us, Dave, have to decide when we approach church. And then I want to preach a whole message on this. Is church transactional mm-hmm. or is church relational? Mm-hmm. We have to ask ourselves this question. So this is a theological question that we all must answer. If it's transactional, you can watch online until Jesus comes. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful that you watch faithfully. I'm grateful that you tithe. Thank you. Most Christians don't. I wish, and and again, um, you know, we're going to deal with this about spiritual rhythms, but if I could just get you guys, all of our listeners to just go online and and just commit to a number and tithe regularly, Mm -hmm. man, you guys would say, I, I probably would live an extra 20 years if our church members just decided, pick a number. I don't even care if it's tithing. I think you should tithe. Pick a, almost said, <laughs> pick a number. I was going to say freaking. I wasn't going to say the other F word. Um, but but pick a number because yes. it helps us budget. Correct. And put it in there. Some of you guys tithe more to your gym and you haven't been, to, you went on January 1st. Let's be honest. You haven't been <laughs> since. You give more to your gym and to Starbucks than you do to your church. So come on. So, so give it that. So, so Dave, Thank sorry you. for the soapbox. Um, thank you for your tithe. I really appreciate that. I mean, it, it means the world to me that you trust me with that. So here's what I'd say. Is the church transactional or is it relational? Hmm. And so here's the issue, again, theologically. So part part of the closed fist issue for me is God is triune. What does that mean? So we don't know what the Trinity means. And I know Jehovah's Witnesses love to knock on your door and, um, you know, uh, you know, tell you that God is not triune. Well, God is relational. Mm-hmm. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does that mean? He is the God who relates. He is a personal God. Mm-hmm. He's not isolated and alone for all mm-hmm. eternity. So, so how does he do that? He relates as Father, as Son, as Holy Spirit. We see that in Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God, Elohim, singular God, plural. 
in the very first verse of the Bible, you know, um, the way, I, I mean, uh, I don't know how you would say Elohim in the singular, Elo, or I guess El, it would just be El, but Elohim is plural. So like we have a restaurant in Riverside, Burger Im, have you guys been there? So that's Hebrew. So it's owned by Jewish people. Oh. And it means burgers, plural, Burger Im. I know nobody knows I Hebrew. I thought it was Burger Im. Yeah, it's Burger Im. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's fair. It's like, it's like my friends from Texas. We're gonna go to La Jolla. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what? La Jolla? Where's La Jolla? And I'm like, do you mean La Jolla? <laughs> right. You know. But but to be fair, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. how would you know J right. is H? How would right. you know? Right. So same thing. If you can't speak Hebrew, Im is how you make something plural. Oh, so okay. So so God, we worship a relational God, mm-hmm. and it's the same way for those of you. So so, so again, is is church relational? And then there's a second component, Dave. How can you worship a servant, Jesus, to my, and not serve? Mm-hmm. So if you're online, you have to find a way to connect relationally mm-hmm. with the church and you have to find a way to serve. So, you know, maybe what I would say, Dave, is, you know, I mean, you're a dad, I'm assuming. So once a month you come to Hunter Park or Azusa would be closer for you and you serve. Mm-hmm. And you tell your kids and wear a mask. That's fine. I don't care if you wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. You know, I want you to protect your family members, but you've got to figure out a way to serve and you've got to figure out a give and you have to figure out a way to relate because I don't think the church is transactional. Some people think it is. I think it, I think wrong. And guys, I'm the pastor of this church. I'm in a small group. Mm -hmm. My wife and I serve, we give. And it's not because the church needs my service or the church needs my tithe. It's because I think that's what God's called me Mm -hmm. to do. And, um, you know, um, that's another thing that me and the Mormon bishop talked about. He said one of his daughters is like, yeah, I'm not tithing. Um, and it was just funny because in the Mormon church, you have to. Mm. So, and what I said is in the Christian church, we get to. Mm-hmm. So it's different. We're, yeah. we're saved by grace. Yeah. And so uh, that was an interesting conversation. So, so Dave, you're absolutely right. I was totally wrong. Uh, here's where I would challenge you is, is to define for yourself in a family. What is the church? Mm-hmm. And so for me, man, I mean, you know, if my kids were far away, I'm going to Zoom. We're going to FaceTime, but I want to see them. Mm-hmm. I want to be there. I want to touch them. I want to hold them. And there's something powerful about being uh, in, the, in the presence of God. So last week I was at a conference. Do you guys know who Chris Tomlin is? Mm-hmm. So I never met him, but, you know, he sings, uh, you know, that song, How Great Is Our God. You know, he's got like this really high-pitched voice. And that was not nearly as good as it sounded in my mind before it came out. But so I'd never met Chris Tomlin. So it was a group of about 30 friends of mine. And so we were together and, and Chris Tomlin just got up and led us in worship. Mm-hmm. And I've heard his CDs my whole life. I'd never heard him live. And and just to be in the room, to watch my wife lift her hands, uh, Andy Stanley's in front of me, to watch Andy Stanley and his wife, Sandra, lift their hands in worship um, was just so powerful. And I was just, I just was weeping because, right, what does David say? Better is one day in the house of the Lord, the courts of the Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so we need and we want. My favorite passage in the book of Acts is it says, I forget, I forget the chapter, um, but Paul says he went to the river on Sabbath because he heard that there were a group of believers who met there. So he's in a town where there's no believers, mm-hmm. but he he heard there might be a gathering. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even know. And so he goes. Mm-hmm. That's how important the church was to early Christians. yeah, And so for us, we, we know there's a gathering. So here's what I'd say, Dave, if you can go, go. But at the same time, right, I don't want you to risk a family member. I think that's a very, very real thing. And, um, you know, there's one of our, our best servants uh, in the church. She, she served as a greeter for 
uh, I don't know, 15, 16 years. And, and, you know, she has cancer, her husband has cancer, her daughter has cancer. It's just one of those families where cancer just, man, it just, it ravages mm -hmm. their family. And so they're all immunocompromised. And I know she would be here if she could, mm -hmm. I know it's killing her, but you know, COVID is a real threat to them because they're immunocompromised. And, um, and so I, I respect and I honor that. And so that's where, you know, Dave and to everyone who's listening, and if anyone was offended, please play this clip, share this clip with them. I'm sorry. I don't always get it right. And that's an example where, you know, something that's important to me. And again, it's, I'm just a great example of what not to do. It's not just what we say, it's how we say mm -hmm. it. And in the name of passion, we can, we can be too harsh. And so Dave, welcome to being married to me. My wife says this all the time. Um, you can be right and still be wrong. So Dave, this is a great example where what I was saying was right, but how I said it was wrong. And I mean, think about this. I could have offended Dave and his family so much that they never listen again. That's something that the Lord would have to talk to me about mm -hmm. on judgment day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so many of us say, well, we want a church that says it like it is. No, you want a church that says it like it is when you agree with the way it is. Mm -hmm. You don't want, I mean, those same people, if I talked about tithing, I'd lose half of them. Mm -hmm. Those same people, if I talked about serving, I'd lose the next half. Those same people, should we got staff members that don't go to small group, that don't tithe. Oh, those conversations are great. Wait a minute, you live off the tithe, you don't tithe. You're in a church that's all about community and you're not in community. Mm -hmm. Dude, all the time. Right. And so why is that? Because we all make idols. We're, we're all fake. We're all hypocrites, you know, and that's why what Fredo preached on is so important, you know. Um, you know, God's a genius. Those 10 commands are there for a reason, and um, they, they help us grow. So, Dave, forgive me. I ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name, brother. I need <laughs> grace. Uh, I'm praying for you and your family, and yeah. uh, I thank you for the challenge. You were right. I was wrong. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening and watching the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. Send your questions. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.